0: From the high desert in Far East, West Texas, this is the world's fastest scoring sports media podcast with Ed sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and back on the podcast for this episode is Scooter Vertino. He's the Senior Vice President of Programming and Production for Turner Sports, and we're going to talk playoff ratings, finals fatigue, and the NBA offseason. Scooter, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, before we get to uh, talking a little bit about the rating success that you guys had uh, during the Western Conference Finals, uh, sometime between the last time you were on the podcast and now, uh, Jimmy Traina had Jeff Van Gundy on his podcast, and he gave you a pretty huge shout out uh, for all the help you gave him. Uh, when he was a Turner and as a fan, I, I feel like I get only the vaguest glimpses of what the relationships between producers and talent are like, and I'm guessing that's just fine with you, but, uh, can you talk about how big or, or small a part of the job those relationships are?
1: Well, that was very kind of Jeff. He might be overselling my influence, uh, when he came to Turner, but it was certainly a lot of fun working with him in the early years because he was, he was, um, just as unfiltered and freewheeling then as he is now. Uh, I think the difference is now, you know, he's, uh, you know, doing it during the NBA finals. And, um, and so it's a little bit larger footprint. He's got at his disposal for his, uh, his theories and opinions and analysis, which is always entertaining um, and informative. Uh, but to answer your question, I, look, those are, those are extremely important. Um, those relationships, uh, whether it be with your play-by-play person, um, color analyst, or sideline reporter, are, are big. They're, they're, it's like you're dealing with a family member. Um, you're spending that much time with them, right? You're on the road. You're in close quarters. You're in emotionally an uh, mo- emotionally charged environment. Um, your job is, uh, their jobs are, like an umpire in major league baseball or a referee in the nba it's um start perfect and get better and so they're relying on you to help them get there and there's a lot of trust involved and you know um it doesn't always start off you know like uh, a bouquet of roses but you know you work on these things like any type of relationship um and you know whether whether it was jeff uh, or Marv Albert or Mike Fratello or Steve Kerr or Reggie Miller, um, you know, uh, David Aldridge, uh, the late Craig Sager. I mean, those, those are the people I probably work with the most. Um, and, and there was always, you know, a uh, get-to-know-you period, um, a ramp-up period, and then a let's, you know, take some chances period. Once you got the fundamentals down, um, then I think that there was uh, trust on both ends that we were in this, uh, for the best product possible, but there is, there is a little bit of time. We have to work on that. Um, so I would say those relationships in a very long answer are extremely important.
0: Now, I, I appreciate, uh, you going a little bit long on that. Okay. Ratings. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of great numbers, uh, all, all, all over the place, and uh, certainly with the uh with the with the your portion of the playoffs and especially the western conference finals and i'm happy to talk about any or all of them but the one that stood out most to me was that uh you that uh, turner uh, had its most watched playoffs on TNT since 2011. And the reason that stands out to me so much is because, you know, the, the period between then and now has uh, seen an acceleration of what, you know, what people refer to as the secular decline of TV and uh, TNT, at least through the traditional bundle is an, is available in about 10 million fewer homes now than it was in, in 2011. So it's just really, really, you know, it, it, it you know, hits my eyes and makes my eyes wide open when I see, wow, best in seven years. Uh, what, what are your thoughts in general on that?
1: I think it's great. Um, I know I'm being Captain Obvious, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, I think that the NBA product, uh, you know, it, it, it's extremely hot right now. Um, you know, part of that, and, and we certainly work extremely closely with our friends and partners at the league, to try and leverage that. Um, and, you know, I, I think sometimes, what is it? Familiarity breeds contempt, but I think also there's familiarity breeds comfort with, you know, some of the storylines and the stars and the rivalries that we're seeing now. I'm not saying that the Warriors and Calves like each other, but I think that, um, what we're seeing is the viewing public, like watching them go head to head. And I believe that they are, uh, the, the the fans are invested in that theater that starts in, you know, now mid October and runs basically through father's day. Um, and so there was some anticipation that, you know, could they actually get back for the fourth straight year or, you know, would the Celtics, you know, rise up and knock them off. And I guess, you know, even there was a lot of discussion. It wasn't that long ago where it was like, Oh my goodness, the Pacers are going to take out the Cavs. What <laughs> right. will happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, can't forget the Raptors were different this year. You know, mm-hmm. they were going to, they were going to take them out. Um, and there was also talk in the West because, um, you know, the Warriors weren't hundred um, percent. Steph Curry came back midway through that new Orleans series. Uh, they lose uh, Andre Iguodala. Um, uh, seven minutes to go, fourth quarter of game four, I believe, in Oakland, um, and so they had a serious uphill climb as well. But I think I think all of that combined le- leads us to where we are now, and and build uh, uh, build builded momentum for us or built momentum for us uh, throughout the season, and that was
0: that's the end result are the ratings that you're referring to. Yeah. So, uh, I saw, uh, Tim Bontemps at the Washington post, uh, did a story last week on, you know, whether there would be ratings fatigue, uh, for Cavs warriors, uh, round four. And, uh, he quoted you, he quoted, uh, another guy who's been on my podcast, Burke Magnus of ESPN. And, uh, and you know, I, I found all of that very interesting. And I, I'm, I'm just wondering, like from your perspective, how do you even go about like like? Do you watch the NBA Finals as a fan, or are you able to do that, or do you watch it as a producer?
1: No, that day, those days are long gone. My wife credits me with ruining watching TV for her as well. Now, that's <laughs> uh, it's an unfortunate blessing and a curse, but um, you know, and I, I'll, I'll, and it, and it's contagious. So, um, Steve Kerr. Um, will text in the off season and more often than not, he's critiquing production he sees on other sports. (laughs) So you can't ever really, you know, take the boy out of the production truck or out of the headset. Um, So, no, I look, I really enjoy it and and I, I'm captivated by it and I watch every second of it, uh, but it's very difficult to watch and, and, and not think along with Tim Corrigan in this instance um, for, you know, what a great replay sequence or a cool music bump out uh, you know, some type of great tie in that, that, you know, Doris is reporting on um, or, or something along those lines. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to separate one from the other at this point.
0: So, uh, you know, so do you consider yourself and your, in your role as producer as a sort of a, a primary focus is to sort of be the narrative storyteller?
1: Yes. Because, well, well I, I was a secondary narrative storytelling. I mean, the, the, the primary is going to come from the game itself, sure, right? Sure. So, so, you know, that, that goes without saying I'm saying it, but it goes without saying it. While, while the game is going on, it's, it's your job to enhance that storytelling, um, at least in my opinion. Um, and to, you know, and, and, and so the, the, if you, if you want to say, like, the drawing is on the tapestry, um, then our job is to color in the tapestry and to provide everything else that goes with it. And that's where all your production and prep work goes. Um, and and I'm sure you've seen this, and, and, and probably many of, of your listeners are aware of this too, but you have so much information at your disposal, especially during the playoffs when you see teams time and time and time again, that so much of that information never makes the screen or never mm-hmm. makes the broadcast. Um, the beauty of the playoffs is um, – some of that can then be updated, and you'll get, you know, game two. Okay, I'll come back to that or, or whatever. So, um, I, I think there, that that is that is your primary job is to is to tell the story. Um, now you're working, you know, in conjunction with your director, um, and and then your your other folks in the truck, be it you know graphics, uh, the associate director, your audio, uh, your, your replay folks, um, the camera people. Uh, and then everything else that falls into that, and then you have to be in a rhythm with your announcers so that you're on the same page. So, and and some of that when I say rhythm can even be you know, you know we're in a business right. So two shot foul, we haven't gotten in a promo for claws. That's coming, you know. And and I know Reggie might have a story, but we gotta push that off until the next dead ball. Right. Um, so it, it's 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 a secondary narrative slash juggler.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, I think I never really, you know, I never really thought about the producer's role. Uh, you know how how much of the of the storytelling is is done from that, and uh, and then talking to some of you guys, it's it's really struck me what, what great storytellers you actually are. Okay, so getting back to uh, to to Tim's piece on 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 ratings fatigue, uh, just right. in, like in the Western Conference Finals, like it seemed to me like if you could pick what your dream matchup was for the Western Conference Finals, given the teams that were in the playoffs, you got it. Do, do I have that correct?
1: Well, I think anytime you get the top two seeded teams, it, it you know, with regard to it playing out that way, um, the anticipation grows. So I wouldn't say that, you know, we're looking at, you know, we got 30 teams and we're like, okay, we want these two teams. Right. Um, but if you get the top two teams, I think in all practical matters, it's going to give you the most competitive matchup. And the fact that we started the season with those two teams was pretty, um, you know, symmetrical. Uh, and the warriors bled that night, right? The rockets beat them and they looked human. And so that started the narrative or the analysis of maybe these guys can get beat. And then, you know, you do the whole song and dance throughout the season. And at, I forget exactly where the point was. Um, I think I was reading an Anthony Slater article on the, um, on the athletic where he actually pinpointed the game where the Warriors kind of were like, okay, we're not going to catch the Rockets. The Rockets are going to be the number one seed. And as soon as that happened, okay, now more eye- eyebrows, eyebrows were raised like, okay, maybe this, could, this, this really can, uh, you know, become what we think it might. And they can knock them off because eventually, you know, Bob Myers was quoted in an article saying, you know, this isn't going to last forever. And, you know, he would know. So, um, I think, you know, again, as I mentioned in the East, in an earlier answer people, obviously the anticipation grew. And I think, I think all of that contributed to our success during the Western conference finals. Um, that it, again, it was luck slash strategy that we opened the night with a double header that, um, you know, foreshadowed both conference finals matchups. But I think it certainly helped us in that situation. And, you know, maybe we didn't schedule in a way thinking it was going to be conference finals, but you do schedule in a way that you want the best storylines to get you out of the box in a way that's going to help you from an interest, viewer engagement, and rating standpoint as well. So getting Chris Paul's first game with the Rockets, that was not an accident. Right.
0: So uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you got a chance to, uh, to look at Richard Deitch's story and on, uh, on, uh, some, uh, alternative, uh, matchups for the finals that might be better, uh, if there is ratings fatigue. So he just, you know, he was just playing sort of fantasy matchups. And, uh, so you get, you get to be Tim Corrigan for, you know, for, for the finals, uh, you know, did you, did you agree with what Richard, I think, I think uh warrior Celtics was the one that he pegged as, as sort of the the closest, the thing that would do as, uh, as well as uh warrior's calves have done, has done. And I'm wondering uh, where you, what, what your thoughts are on that?
1: I think the numbers bear that out um, from a ratings point of view, which is obviously your point here. Um, by the way, funny note about Tim Corrigan. Um, he was a producer when I was a production assistant, started out at ESPN. Um, and when I was, you know, 23 years old, I wanted to be Tim Corrigan when I grew up.
0: So
1: <laughs> uh, hopefully, Tim hears this and realizes how old he is. Um, <laughs> I think, I think Warrior Celtics is obviously hugely intriguing, um, but I also. Due to their injury issues, I would be a little less bullish on it. Um, to me, um, you know, I, and, and I don't know exactly what his uh, qualifications were. I'm looking at some of this. Um, look, I was I was mightily intrigued by Warriors, uh, not Warriors, but I was mightily intrigued by the Sixers this year and what they were able to do um, during their first four into the playoffs in years. And um, I mean, you've seen this time and time again. Very rarely do teams skip a step in the NBA. There's right. a reason, you know, There's you win a round, next year you win two rounds and stuff. And they just, you know, they obviously have room to improve and, and, and you know, they're not the perfect team, but they are, they're coming. And um, I think they would be incredibly uh, compelling were they to advance uh, based on, on what he wrote here. Um
0: yeah, so so I uh, just uh, just sort of an off the cuff question but uh so I, I you know I buy that the uh the 76ers are are very compelling uh, for for and these days for all kinds of reasons um and you know sort of within the NBA fan Twitter uh or just NBA Twitter in general uh, I think that is a, a very compelling uh thing would be to have the Sixers in the finals but I wonder if that's somewhat echo chamber and, uh and if the if the 76ers would really translate as well uh, yet at least on a, on a national scale and I wonder if you have any thoughts on that
1: I guess that's that you raise a good point I mean it, it could be um, due to the fact that maybe people aren't quite as familiar with them as as some of the the players on the Celtics I mean you've seen Al Horford in the playoffs forever it seems yeah. um, obviously Kyrie uh won a championship and played a major role in winning that title um so there there could be more there I guess there could be more there there if you will uh than than with the sixers um but the sixers uh remind me a little bit of not not from style of play but just to kind of how they you can feel them coming up the Eastern Conference standings, not unlike um the early years of the Weber era Kings and how they started to come up, and it was like, oh wait, what's going on over there? You know, it, they weren't necessarily uh, on national TV every night, but they were coming. And then all of a sudden, it feels like they were on national TV every night.
0: Yep, yep. You know, there's an instantaneous feedback loop via social media, and yep. uh, I don't want you to get into you know any of the specific things that fly around. But uh, how how do you how do you deal with that both for yourself and for all the people on your team? Uh, how, how how do you take in that feedback, evaluate it, and uh, you know decide whether you want to pay any attention to it or not?
1: Well, I think it's 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 great, right? Because you do, like you said, you have the immediate feedback um, from from social media, and I think sometimes look people, I. I I always say when people get on Twitter, they very rarely get on Twitter to say, "Hey man, solid job." really—that was solid. It's usually, usually somebody has a gripe or a quote-unquote suggestion, um, but that's fine. Like that's great. Like that's that's why that's why it's there. Well, maybe not exactly why it's there, but it's fine. I I, I don't. There's no issue with it on my end. Um, as far as what do we use it for, or is there a practical use? Um, you know, sometimes there could be like if, if 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 someone points out that something we did was factually incorrect, or or our, say our mix is off and you can't hear the announcers and the the natural like some of that stuff could be adjusted in real time and we can figure it out. You know, like um, I'm happy somebody brought it up because sometimes you know when you're in our silo and you got your head down and you're working, everything sounds great and looks great and you've seen a roll-in that we're going to run eight times, so you don't even, you know, you're, you're numb to something that may be inaccurate on it. And, right. And, you know, that type of stuff is incredibly important. So sometimes uh, Twitter can help us with that. Um, it, look, if they don't like um, a certain announcer or or his or her style or, or you know, like, that, look, that's fine. Uh, everybody is entitled to their opinion, um, you know, um, but I, I, I've yet to... You know, get into a meeting where we're discussing renewing someone, and the fact that you know they were unpopular after a game on Twitter because they mixed and match their metaphors came up as an issue. Um, so, you know, I that might be a little too um, simplistic about how we use or don't use it, but um, no, it, it's look, it's fine, and and you know, I I'm on it. You know, so, um, what, you know, what,
0: what's your Twitter? Do you have a, do you have a public Twitter or is it a burner account?
1: It's, it, it's not, well, two <laughs> things. One, it's not very public, I would say. And two, it's not a burner. Cause I rarely, if ever comment on anything, um, that we produce.
0: So do, so, you, do you, do you want a few more followers? If you do shout out, uh, your, your Twitter handle?
1: I do not. Ah. I do not. I'm actually good. I'm, 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 I'm fine being completely uh, anonymous on social media, at least for a little while longer.
0: Yeah. I wish I, I, I wish I had stayed anonymous sometimes. So, uh,
1: I've got, I, 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 follow you, Pete. I follow you. There you go.
0: So I have one, one small teeny tiny production question that, it, you know, the answer may be, we don't think about it at all, but I'm just wondering, cause I, you know, I know that, um, and I think it still has a way to go, all the streaming stuff. But, uh, sure. you know, w- whatever the case, you you still saw big increases and had your most, you know, watched all-time record for minutes of consumption and, and all that stuff. And I'm just wondering, like, from a, from a production and, and, and direction point of view, is are, are you doing anything for the fact that, you know, some people actually are, like, watching these games on a six-inch screen?
1: You know, that's a... Uh it's an interesting discussion point. Um, for the actual game broadcast, um, you know, we do tend to try and shoot from the game camera a tad bit tighter. Whether that helps you if you're watching on your phone or not, I don't think is is necessarily a factor. Um, I, I know, you know, it, it, it currently isn't, um, something that's going to sway how we shoot the game, right? Uh, but in the future, it may certainly be part of a larger discussion. But currently, that is not uh, not on uh, the director's agenda when you know he or she sits down to to call the cameras.
0: Right. So, uh, so earlier in this podcast, you said you know that the the NBA season ran from October to basically around Father's Day. And, sure. uh, and I, I think it, I think it runs from October to October now. And so I wanted to talk to you about the off season stuff. Cause, cause I, you know, the, the, the one question that I, that I had for you is like, is this basically your calm before the storm vacation period before you have to start going back to work again? Like when the finals end, are you, are you revenant right back up immediately?
1: Uh, no. So yes, you're right. I was actually going for the description of the season as we know it, but you're correct. I mean, it doesn't, um, you know, we've got, um, the, the finals end and then you've got draft, um, right after draft, you have the award show right after the award show, you've got the start a free agency, right after the start of free agency, you've got summer leagues leading into the, uh, 30 team extravaganza in Las Vegas. And then it kind of calms down. Um, because, uh, uh, my work responsibilities also include, um, NBA TV's coverage and NBA.com's mm-hmm. coverage. Um, uh, no, we're right still in the thick of it with finals, uh, ancillary coverage from Cleveland and golden state. So, um, my, my time winds down usually mid July for a couple
0: weeks, (laughs) two weeks off. Uh, so, um, you know, talk about the, uh, I I guess the, 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 thing that I'm most interested in over this off season is the, uh, is the summer league in Las Vegas and to see, what kind of progression that's making? Cause like last year it looked like, wow, this is, this is actually becoming a little bit of a summer thing that, that could, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 I could see it, uh, you know, rivaling, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, midweek baseball games on ESPN, that kind of thing. And I, I just wonder like, how excited are you about the summer league in Las Vegas and, and, and how you go about thinking about it?
1: Uh, very excited. Um, you know, the, the two men that run the league out there, um, or founded the league and run the league in conjunction with the NBA, Warren Legary and Albert Hall are, you know, nonstop, um, you know, full bore energy ideas, never satisfied, always looking to pump up the product. Um, and much of what you see out there now is a credit to them and what they've done. Now, You know, NBA TV, and then uh, a little lesser time, ESPN, have helped with that. Um, But uh, no, it's 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 a great product. It's a lot of fun. I mean, the crazy thing is is that people do watch, and then now they're you know, and and plus they're getting butts and seats, right? And it's an incredible. You know, you pay a ticket price, and you can watch, you know, a zillion games in one day at two different arenas, and you're watching the top. Um, first and second year players in the NBA go head to head. It's 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 really uh, a very, um, very cool spectacle to uh, either watch on television or, or watch in person. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, as far as rivaling other events on television at the time, um, I certainly think there's a possibility of there. You have to have the right matchup. Um, and, you know, this year with the likes of um, Luka Doncic and, you know, Marvin Bagley, Andre Ayton, uh, Jaron Jackson, um, uh, Trey Young, and, and and so on and so forth. I think you're going to get some of that star power. I know last year they got a, a, quite a bump from um, Lonzo Ball. I think the one issue with him last year, and again, it's Summer League, so it wasn't sure. amazing carried into the regular season per se, but he was hurt. So he missed a couple of games, um, including the championship game. If you recall, he actually was the MVP of the summer league, but Kyle Kuzma was the MVP of the playoffs right. or the MVP of the championship. So, um, uh, so we'll see, you know, it, it, but, but it's very exciting because the draft class, um, this year, I think has some, some names that people are familiar with because, uh, some of those teams, um, You know, you saw play quite a bit during the regular season. Um, And then you even have guys toward the the middle, toward the back end, um, like the kids from Villanova that you saw uh, the last few years go deep in the tournament. So there's more familiarity with those personalities as well. And the curiosity factor to see these guys for the first time, um, maybe not on the biggest stage, but it's a pretty big stage. I'm sure these kids walk out there with some serious butterflies the first time they, you know, they lace up some shoes and, and, and put on, be it, uh, summer league jerseys. It's still an NBA jersey.
0: So uh, without, without knowing, you know, who's, who's getting drafted where, um, you know, if you could, like, make a, a you know, one, one trip to, to Vegas over the summer to see one thing in the summer league, uh, who is it that you'd want to see?
1: I would love to see Luka Doncic play. And, and that's based purely on the fact that um, he's the unknown. And, um, I mean, he, his numbers and his career in Europe have been spectacular so far for who's basically a kid. And, you know, a lot of the guys that come over from, uh, the European leagues are drafted on potential, right? So they, they, they only play X number of minutes or they score seven points a game, but they're 16 playing against adults or whatever. And you have to base it on that. I mean, he's the MVP, you know, he's scoring. He's the number one option. He's the playmaker. Um, and he's playing against adults. So um, I think it, it would be a lot of fun to see him uh, in his first uh, first foray into, into the NBA. I mean, the other guys that I mentioned are also um, a lot of fun, but they're, they're lesser of the unknown as, a, as opposed to Doncic, who is somebody that um, is uh, the, the curiosity factor is very high.
0: OK, so if you wind up uh, going to Vegas for one of his games and uh, and you can give me a couple of days notice, I will try to meet up with you in Las Vegas and see it for myself. Oh, deal. All right. Hey, Scooter, thanks again uh, for joining the podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. If I rambled again, forgive me.
0: <laughs> I, you're, you're forgiven. No, no, nobody rambles as much as me. And I, I thought your answers were great. Thanks again to Scooter for joining the podcast. I uh, really kind of dig that he is not looking for additional Twitter followers. And uh, I am trying to get uh, Tim Corrigan from uh, ESPN slash ABC. And uh, I'm not sure if the stars are going to align in a way that uh, I'll get him before the finals. Uh, But uh, if not, I will uh, shoot for that sometime down the road. Thanks for listening.